Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Movie Mondays. I am so, we are both so sorry that we couldn't be here last week. We were both out of town, and we thought, you know what? It's halfway through the year, almost exactly. We came off the biggest release of the summer, and we're going into our full season mode starting next week. So, you know what? Let's take the week off. And we took the week off, and it was great. And now we're back. Now we're back, Mm. Kelsey. How are you doing? This is uh, Marvelous Movie Mondays with Kelsey and Dill. I am Dill. That is Kelsey. Um... Hey girls, how's it going? <laughs> hi, hi, Dill. Um, and we're live. We're live. Good. So if you're watching live, let us oh. comment away. We'll we'll interact with you. But we are live because this is a news drop. <laughs> this isn't just a Stanley documentary review because that probably probably take ten minutes. We're doing yeah. all the news today. So uh, ch- chime in if you want to. Great, great. Um, I'm I'm doing well. I just had a f- last few like hectic. I just had a hectic weekend because. I was housing hikers who are hiking the Appalachian Trail. And then it was Father's Day and I had to go, you know, back to Jersey for that. And then I had work today. So everything that I prepared has been prepared within like in the last like two hours before Phil doing this right now. So mm-hmm. if I sound a little bit all over the place, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and and i just got back from detroit um i'm sure if anyone follows me on social media you've probably seen a little bit of it uh filmed my first feature which was really cool um cool. just got back a few days ago so that's now in post-production we're trying to raise funds and all that so i can drop a link uh if you want to help donate to that and get your name in the credits which would be fun uh if you want to yeah. help support our post-production funds um but yeah it was it was really cool because like i could kind of just separate my brain from all the podcast and youtube stuff i had like the spider-verse video and the james cameron video like ready to go before i even left so like i just got to go on vacation and i was like oh yeah a video just dropped today and i'm and i call it vacation it was work but it, it was nice because i got out of the city for a while so it was nice i right. was like oh yeah that's right marvel's movie mondays dropped we recorded that a few days ago okay cool like um it was kind of cool to just have things on the back burner but i'm excited to be like be back and talking about marvel especially because i think in the last few weeks yes. especially there's been so much news not just with marvel but in the entertainment industry because of the writer strike that just, right. there's just so much to talk about so um would you like to start with the documentary and then talk about the news or you want to start the news and end with the documentary how do you want to go about this Kels? um you seem like you had a lot to tell me so why <laughs> don't we just like share our thoughts about the doc and talk okay. about that, and then cool. we'll delve into cool. news. Because yeah. yeah, I we'll feel get, like we'll our thoughts doc. about the the doc you are going to be quick. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who didn't know, uh, on Friday they released on Disney Plus a brand new Stan Lee documentary titled, ap- appropriately, Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Uh, it, is, it is just called Stan Lee. Um, so when I was telling everyone, I was like, yeah, I'm watching Stan Lee. And they're like, his grave? I'm like, no. Like, you know. Um, <laughs> I wasn't no um but you know now when you say you're watching stan lee you know you have to specify watching stan lee 2023 and there have been like other documentaries made about his life um so like some people have been asking like is this worth watching is this like a good documentary all this stuff and regardless of whether it's well made or not like the information Mm -hmm. you get from it it's really nothing new that you can't find on like a wikipedia page or one of his other several documentaries because there's been so many documentaries made about his life um but i had not seen those documentaries so i learned a little bit new you know some new information um what did you think of this documentary we could talk a little bit about just the documentary itself and then some of the stuff maybe you found interesting about stan lee himself um and then we'll talk about some news that ties into the documentary which is uh worth talking about in a sec but i'll let you take it away I really liked it a lot, Dill. You know, they basically just walked us through his life from 
literally they start with the day he was born and they walk us through how, you know, he got his start, you know, um, working for a publishing company that was publishing comic books and then how that comic book kind of fell apart and then how he was the only one left. So he just built up, you know, the Marvel comic books from the ground up and, and, and everything. And I just thought that it was just a really well-made documentary. I don't know if any of the footage was filmed like separately for like a, a mm. separate thing to do this, or if it was all just pulled from past mm -hmm. um, things. Yeah. But at, well, during the beginning, I was, I was watching it with uh, my roommate James and, you know, he's narrating it and right. talking about yes. how he's, you know, how he grew up in New York and his first job, he was working for a trouser factory. And, and we're like, is this someone like pretending right. like is this well, an actor who's well, pretending that, to be stanley that was my first worry at first because i was like are they like creating because a few years ago uh, a documentary about anthony bourdain the great one of the greatest chefs to ever live sadly killed yeah. himself a few years ago um they made a, a documentary about him called roadrunner and they literally artificially created his voice to read a few of his passages and i remember mm -hmm. there was a lot of backlash of that because it's like yes you get the approval from the estate to use his image and stuff but like recreate mm -hmm a dead person's voice for the sake of entertainment. It's a little slimy. It's a little weird. It's mm -hmm. a little, um, I, I'm not going to bring it up on this episode because we're a Marvel podcast, but a lot of issues I have with the flash at the end, they use a lot of dead people cameos and it's, and it's a little jarring uh. point where I'm like, I'm not still yet on board with the whole like, Oh, they're dead, but you can like still use them, you know, in, in media, as long as they have the approval. Yes, you can get approval, but is it still ethically right? And, and I right. was worried about that when I heard it, I was like, did they recreate Stanley's voice for the doc? But they don't, it's all from interviews and other things he did probably for other documentaries as well. A lot of them felt like he was just like sitting in front of a camera telling his story. Right. And I like how the stuff they didn't have footage of, instead of trying to recreate it with other actors as Stanley or trying to get like, stand-ins or body doubles they use like mm -hmm. almost like animated kind of puppet like things these little wood puppets or whatever these little figurines they're action figures essentially you know I, I just, right yeah there was all these like, like little model sets yeah. that they were yeah, uh, so filming they, which was they recreated super cool. some some little like action figures um <clears throat> to like kind of reenact some moments but it was mostly like archival footage of him speaking um mm -hmm. which was interesting it's an interesting way to present a documentary because usually a documentary will be planned by someone with the intent of making a documentary, whereas here it's people making a documentary about someone who's already passed and just kind of pulling mm -hmm. from different things of his life and right. th things he's on the record of uh, saying, like they just made a Michael J. Fox documentary for Apple. And I remember they, Michael J. Fox was very avid in the writing process and how he wanted the documentary to be constructed. And like everything he was saying to the camera was in service of this documentary and what he wanted to get across. Whereas here, everyone kind of has to figure out what Stan would have wanted to say rather than like Stan sitting down and being like, all right, this is my story for this documentary. It's kind of an mm -hmm. interesting, like kind of backwards way of thinking. Um, you know, you're kind of making it after the fact, um, which kind of leads to some criticisms we'll get to in a sec, but I do agree. I, I think it was an interesting way of presenting his life to still hear it from his voice, but have it delivered in an interesting way since he's passed since, and just kind of like getting that whole outline of his life. And I did learn a lot about his life, specifically the upbringing and like kind of how he mm -hmm. got into comics more so than like, like, cause I had already kind of known how each character kind of came about and was designed the order of things. And then, Oh, we should have a black superhero. Oh, we should have a woman superhero, you know, all these things. Um, mm -hmm. So the early stuff was the most exciting stuff. And then of course, 
uh, the little tidbit at the end, which was essentially its own little mini MCU commercial where he's like filming the cameos was cool. Mm -hmm. That stuff that's like kind of brand new, I think, to this like to to any documentary. I don't think that's ever been captured in a documentary, but uh, the other right. stuff is stuff you can like find on a Wikipedia page or in a book, but but still interesting information. Was there like a moment or fact that like was most exciting or kind of mind blowing to you, or was it all just kind of what? stuff you not really assumed, but you were like, oh okay, that's interesting. Moving on. Well, I here let let me take a look at my notes that I I was uh, copying down. Uh, I you know I think what I was most surprised to learn in the documentary was that there was kind of this animosity between, or at least it seemed like between him and Jack Kirby, and then his original illustrator for the Spider-Man comic, Steve um, Ditko, I think is his last Steve name. Ditko, yep. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I was just surprised to hear because like he comes across and not that my opinion of Stan Lee has changed at all. Like I still think that he's a lovely, brilliant, or at least he he was a lovely, brilliant, um, mm -hmm. um, creative individual. But it was just weird to kind of hear about almost like they're pulling back the curtain a little bit and letting us know that not everything was you know uh -huh. peachy keen and they weren't always you know seeing everything eye to eye and mm. and because you know steve ditko ended up leaving and then soon jack also left and then not long after jack leaving marvel comics that's when uh stan lee was no longer chief editor he moved up to publisher so he had mm. a lot less to do with the actual creation of the yeah. stories you know he wasn't writing mm. anymore yeah, so this it is was actually, just yeah this is a perfect segue this is a perfect segue to a lot of the stuff that's in the news about this documentary, which we'll get to in a sec. But I agree. It's mm -hmm. interesting because also right after Ditko and, and Kirby left, I, I believe Kirby passed away pretty soon after to where, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's interesting because Stan Lee lived probably 25 more years than these other guys. So he mm -hmm. kind of has had the time to kind of make his legacy almost kind of look better. And, and that's where, you know, sure. I agree. Like, it doesn't make me think less of Stan Lee because mm -hmm. obviously Stan Lee didn't have any part of putting together this documentary either. Like, other right. people decided how much the other people would be credited or not credited. Stan Lee is a businessman and he's not only selling his stuff that he's writing, but he's selling himself. I mean, there's a reason why he was this figurehead in all these cameos is because he tried to make himself this outgoing kind of almost like Mr. Rogers like figure, like when he's talking to the kids and he's like, well, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man because, you know, he kind of like goes on and on. And and yeah. he was like inspirational in that way, but you got to remember he's also a businessman. And I, I think right. some people don't realize that even like the nicest, most charming people at the end of yeah. the day, they're businessmen and they're going to do whatever they want to succeed. Very few are as selfless as, you know, Tom Hanks, for example, and even Tom Hanks, right. maybe there's something we don't know about him, you know? Um, so, and that's not to say there is, I, I, doubt there is but you know what i mean um, right <laughs> Stan Lee, like, like I, I it makes sense that there was some animosity and it, and it makes sense that people are getting a little upset about the documentary almost framing it like he was can do no wrong stan lee and everyone else was kind of like you know mm. secondary to him and and i think that's one sure. of my one qualm with the documentary is it's so focused on stan and it's all from stan's perspective to where like you don't have anyone else talking about stan all you get is like, maybe like a comment here and there but it's all stan's perspective to where it very much feels like a very skewed perspective documentary which is fine and i think that's what's mm -hmm. cool about documentaries is you could have a documentary from the first person autobiographical but then you can also have someone else's opinion and someone else's opinion and i think that's where it's very interesting but if this is like the definitive stan lee documentary i think it's a little bit harmful that it's only his voice you're hearing like you're only hearing mm -hmm. his side of the story and actually, this brings me to my news, my first news of the week, and that is that 
Jack Kirby's grandson, I believe, or, or son. No, I think it's Jack Kirby's grandson posted a tweet about Jack Kirby's son, his father, the grandson's father. So it'll make sense when I pull it up. Um, mm-hmm. Addressing this, uh, addressing the fact that kind of Kirby is not portrayed in the best light um, because keep in mind, they, and they did give him credit, but Kirby was the whole visual style of Marvel. You know, Stan mm-hmm. Lee had a lot of the, the, the thoughts and the story, but Kirby yeah. did the visuals and they even talk about how like Stan would give him the story, Kirby would draw it and then Stan would have to fill in the dialogue after seeing the drawing. So it's a very collaborative process, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not entirely Stan's work. You know, this is right. a very collaborative, almost 50, 50. I wouldn't even say 51, 49. Like it's, really pretty much even you were nothing without your drawings especially in comics you're not writing books you're writing comic books half of it's a visual medium so i'll just read some of it um statement from neil kirby so neil kirby's jack kirby's son but his grandson posted this on twitter but i'll I'll just kind of uh, breeze through this but the 13th century islamic poet uh rumi said the ego is a veil between humans and god in the disney plus documentary the veil is lifted presented in the first person with lee's voice providing and running narrative it is stanley's greatest tribute to himself the literary expression of ego is a personal pronoun i any decent english teacher would admonish their students not to overuse i i'm sure that's something we all know you know you, um, you try not to talk too much in the first person the challenge mm-hmm. is extended to anyone who wishes to count the number of eyes during the 86 minute runtime stan lee i oops i love that understand mm-hmm. that as a documentary about stan lee most of the narrative is in his voice literally and figuratively it's not any big secret that there has always been controversy over the parts that were played in the creation and success of marvel characters stan lee had the fortunate circumstance to have access to the corporate megaphone and media and he used uh these to create his own mythos and to the creation uh i'm I'm, i lost my spot to the creation of the marvel character pantheon uh he made himself the voice of marvel so for many decades he was the only man standing and blessed with a long life the last man standing so his father died in 1994 so that's what i was saying he stanley Mm. basically had two decades three decades almost to kind of be the sole spokesperson of this creative team. Uh, it should also be worth noted that it's generally accepted that Stanley had a limited knowledge of history, mythology, or science. On the other hand, my father's knowledge of these subjects um, was extensive. Einstein summed it up better. More the knowledge, less the ego, less the knowledge, more the ego. And then he keeps going on to say, um, if you were to look at a timeline uh, from 60 to 66 period in which most uh, of Stanley's tenure, uh, all those Marvel characters were created. You'll see that Lee's name was a co-creator on every character except for the Silver Surfer, which was solely created by Jack Kirby. Are we led to assume that Lee had a hand in every Marvel character? Are we to assume that was no other co-creator that walked into Lee's office and said, Stan, I have a great idea for a character. According to Lee, it was always his idea. Lee spends a fair amount of time talking about how he created the Fantastic Four with one fleeting reference to his father. Indeed, most comics historians recognize that actually the Fantastic Four was based on a DC comic that Jack Kirby did called Challengers of the Unknown. And he actually named Ben Grimm after his father, Benjamin, and Sue Storm after Jack Kirby's uh, daughter, Susan, uh, Mm. the guy writing this, his older sister. So Mm -hmm. through the conflict, um, Lee and his father, uh, Lee and Jack Kirby concerning creator credit uh, gets glanced over with little mention. There's more attention paid to the strife, and this is what you were mentioning, Kels, the strife between Lee and Ditko, with Lee's voice proclaiming, it was my idea, therefore I created the character. Ditko's rebuttal being that his art and storyline is what brought life uh, to Spider-Man in 1501, the opera uh, commissioned, oh, this is a great analogy he makes, uh, the opera commissioned David, uh, was commissioned Michelangelo to sculpt a statue of David um, with their idea and their money, but the statue is still Michelangelo's David, even though Michelangelo mm. was hired by someone else to make it. So it's kind of saying that Stan Lee 
had Jack Kirby make the drawings, yet Stanley's getting the credit when Jack Kirby's the one actually making the art. Um, right. it's, it's very interesting. And, and I know some people yeah. are saying that this is kind of in poor taste on his end because it's like now it just kind of comes across as a little bit petty. But you got to think, I mean, this guy's trying to preserve his father's legacy because I bet if you were only watch this documentary and didn't know too much more, Stanley comes out of it looking much better than Jack Kirby. So I just thought this was interesting that this is kind of cycling around because you're not trying to slander Stan Lee's image either, but also yeah. it's very clear that Lee is 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 taking credit for everything basically uh and and yeah i do i do believe he had his finger in almost everything just like feige has his finger in every film um but there right. are people saying well feige was not involved at all in guardians 3 he gave james gunn complete control but feige's name's still on it so it's one of those really tricky right. things of who gets credit who's responsible who gets the the notoriety and again like he said and like you said you know Stanley has been around 30 years longer than Jack Kirby to keep continue to build that legacy and be in these movies and see it kind of come to life in an even bigger sense. So I, I just think it's an interesting conversation to have. I don't think there's a right or wrong on either side. I think Lee's, you know, entitled to believe that he did everything, even if he had help uh, and he probably should have, you know, mentioned the help, but also the documentarians are the ones who put this documentary together. I'm sure there was some other footage of him talking about it in a more collaborative way. Um, and maybe if the documentarians had just like gotten maybe three or four other voices to say, um, Oh, this is what Jack Kirby did. And Steve Ditko did as well. You know, like maybe that would have helped rather than it all being just Stanley's perspective. Cause obviously he's going to talk right. more about himself and his efforts than his comrades, you know, especially with that animosity. So uh, any, any thoughts on that in general, I, I didn't mean to bring down the mood, but, but any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's interesting that you kind of walked away with a take that was like, they, you know, Stan Lee was obviously like the better, you know, the one that kind of walked away more clean than the other two where I kind of like, you know, heard what, especially what he had to say about, you know, when he was like, well, I, it was my idea. Spider-Man was my idea for, therefore I'm the creator where I kind of like, you know, kind of listen to the other guy's point of view being like, but I'm the guy who drew it and kind of brought it to life. So right. I kind of walked away from it sounding like, Oh, well, you know, you could kind of listen to both perspectives. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. You know with what you. I mean? I, I, I'm definitely on both. I, I was saying the documentary itself, I think more people are going to leave it still thinking Stan Lee's like, you know, the guy. Right. And, and it's not until you read this comment that you kind of see that other side. I guess yeah. maybe you could see that other side in the movie, but yeah. I think they could have just lead, lead a little further into focusing on the collaboration because, yeah, their falling out was as notable to bring up. But I feel like if you're going to have this falling out narrative, focus a lot on like, why Kirby was still good for Marvel. I mean, like, you know, it should have just been called Stan and Jack and, and make it about the two of them and, and their whole journey. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than Stan, you know. If anything, I feel like the doc almost makes, you know, kind of dulls the light a bit on Stan Lee because these two people left. They didn't want to work with him anymore. And like, sure. these are things that I, I didn't know, like happened mm. in the, cre in the you know, the, the history yeah. of Marvel comics. Right. So it's like, and... Also, wait, I had a another thought. Sorry. It poofed out of my brain. Um, yeah, it's interesting that... Yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. I just feel like this document... Like, if you wanted to tell this story, I feel like this documentary almost should have been made when all three of these men were still alive. So right. that they all had an opportunity to kind of get their own word in and tell their side of the story. So or it almost have, feels like... Yeah, or have Jack Kirby's son say something. Like, give him a right. part of the documentary where he's talking about it from their perspective. Sure. Give, you know, because you're only yeah. hearing it from Stan's side, you know. So. Give him a platform, like a moment to to mm -hmm. 
add in his two cents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I told. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's like, all in the documentarians, not Stan himself, because Stan is going to say what he wants to say. But it's the documentarians, mm -hmm. I think, responsibility to convey the information as truthfully as possible or make it clear that this is just Stan's perspective. But there are other sides of the story. And I feel like they don't do either of those things. You know what I mean? They just mm -hmm. kind of give us Stan's side while also making it seem very much like that is the truth and the absolute truth. And that's where I kind of have a little problem with this documentary. And yeah, I don't think it makes anyone look particularly great. Um, mm -hmm. Especially because, you know, we love Stanley from seeing him in the cameos and stuff. Like you said, it mm -hmm. doesn't make us like him less. It's just, it, I, I, I want to see the flaws in people. Like I like watching movies where characters sure. fail um, because that makes them human. You know, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's important. And when, especially that Disney's making this documentary about Stanley after his passing, like it was very, it's very rare that they're going to make him look terrible, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's very, very interesting. You know, even if they had made a documentary about Stanley before he died and while he was still alive, I feel like even that would have changed kind of the tone and the narrative of it all, because they would have been able to, you know, he would have been able to answer for this in the moment. And I think the right. document, Tarion would have been able to say, well, don't you think that maybe you could have come to more of a compromise or you could have given him, them like the co-creator and he would have been able to answer for, for that where it's just like we just are going off of this archival footage of him and these old mm. past interviews of him um, where, you know, that was the, the take that he had at, a at the time. You know, he might have thought differently of how they went about the whole situation had they asked him had they got the opportunity to ask mm -hmm. him so who knows yeah but um um but yeah that's been breaking the the twitter cycles everyone's been talking about that mm, because you know for, for the grandson to send this tweet and, and speak up for the the son of jack kirby i mean that's pretty big um yeah because you know stanley I, I forget what they called him but the but jack kirby they called him like the boss right or the beast or something i don't know the, i don't know um like his nickname or whatever i i gotta look up their name. who jack's so, nickname yeah oh i don't, I don't remember, remember entirely but um but like he was uh, yeah i agree just as integral so um let me just but what i will say though is that i think the thing that kind of you know drives a wedge in between you know creators of something is definitely like the more popular and the more success it has and the more money it makes and mm -hmm. then therefore there's not just this oh let's make comic books that we really like and that are really great for kids there's this also now added factor of, okay, now what's going to be the best seller. And so right. there's that added pressure. And mm -hmm. I think that that, cause you know, it didn't, it didn't happen when they just started out. They weren't at least as far as we know, mm -hmm. they weren't butting heads in the beginning and fighting right. for co-creator right. credits. Mm -hmm. It was when it got super popular and was one of the mm -hmm. best selling comic yeah. books out there that St Steve Dicko was probably like, Hey, uh, maybe my name should be a little bit bigger. Uh, on the bottom there right. next to yours, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and one yeah. other thing is like, I, I think because so many other documentaries have just talked about the creative process and like how Marvel came to be, and you can kind of mm -hmm. find that in any Wikipedia, I would have liked a little bit more focus on his personal life, you know, his relationship. Cause mm -hmm. they briefly touch it. Um, how yeah, he like opened the door. It's like first love at first sight, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but even more so, like I wanted a little bit more of him with the modern movies to like ha reflect on that. Like, oh like this is what's happening and, and but again that stuff you can't really get unless it exists you know because he's he's gone. right um but yeah uh, i did look up the nickname stan was stan the man lee and jack is jack king kirby not boss king so they called gotcha. him the king so it was the king and the man so um you know i mm. I, I, I hope i hope the legacies of both men 
carry on as they should. Um, and I hope it, things do get resolved at least like, you know, uh, if, <laughs> if anything, I hope uh, the Kirby residents just get some sort of statement from Disney, either apologizing or um, maybe like a disclaimer, kind of like what they've been doing with a lot of like the racist Disney films, like just putting a disclaimer before it to say, Hey, by the way, this is only one perspective there. You know, there are yeah. some issues or something was left out or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, all right. So last thing, do you recommend this documentary? What do you give it a score or anything? Um, I will say, Dill, though, on a more positive note about the documentary, yeah. that I was happy to learn when he was talking about how he shifted over to publisher that he still kind of kept one hand on the wheel. And that's when he um, really started talking about including more um, female superheroes. Yeah. And I liked mm -hmm. how, you know, that was like a like he set a goal, um, you know, for that to to include uh, more women in the comics, which, of course, I have to bring up. Um, I would recommend the documentary just because I appreciate it, even if you know the whole Spider-Man story and how when he first pitched it, you know, the, uh, you know, the publisher at the time didn't like it, didn't want him to print it. Nobody likes spiders, whatever. Mm -hmm. Even if you know that story, I think it's still a creatively put together documentary with the usage of the archival footage and past interviews and stuff, just because mm -hmm. they take it from present day to the to a 19 to an interview in the 1960s to you know they kind of jump around a little bit but it feels so seamless and mm. i just love the the moments of you know like with the little uh action figures and and the model yeah, sets cool. that they did yeah. um mm -hmm. and one one more thing that i did learn from this documentary which is a little bit embarrassing to say but when he said his full name was stanley i went Oh, Stan Lee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. It was, it's the, it, yeah, yeah. It's the Han it Solo thing. <laughs> you, you obviously haven't seen Solo, but but in that movie, this isn't like a spoiler or anything, but like sure. he, he like shows up at the spaceport and they're like, what's your name? He's like, I don't have one. And they're like, because he's like an orphan or whatever. And they're like, oh, mm. well, you got to have a name. What's your last name? And well, because he's like, I'm Han. And they're like, you don't have a last name? He goes, no, I'm just by myself. I'm, I'm just riding solo. And they're like, well, there's your name. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> like really? That's, that's how I, really? That's, that's the most creative you could get. Um, that felt very like that. Like, oh, I'll just put my first name. And it'd be like if I went by Dill Lon. <laughs> Dill Lon. <laughs> Dill Lon. But L A N is my last name. And the first name is Dill. I don't know. Maybe we'll try it. Um, would but, you recommend yeah. the doc deal i i think for someone who knows like almost nothing yeah but like i, yeah. I do think if you kind of know a lot about the history of marvel i don't think you're gonna get anything new i think the only new stuff you're gonna see is that last five minutes where you're seeing him film the cameos but then that's just kind of mm. like you know whatever you can just watch, watch the, the movies cameos, but, right <laughs> so like i, I give this like a five out of ten just because i didn't learn as much new and like mm. the documentary itself was like well made, but again, I think it like it has those glaring issues. And reading stuff from Jack Kirby's son about it, like I was like, eh, it put a little bit of a poor taste. But um, the guy is still, I mean, he's still a genius. Obviously, he helped create something really amazing. So uh, yeah, I just gave like solid right in the middle, five out of ten. I I would recommend it to someone who wants to know more and doesn't know, um, mm -hmm. but also with a grain of salt of it's very much from one perspective and only one perspective so yeah um yeah so yeah we'll move on to the next thing in just a second I just we do did get a comment from uh someone who is is uh in the trivia league uh mr josh domash mr jd uh mr JD, jd says hello there hello there i haven't had a chance to watch the documentary yet uh but just wanted to say hello well hello jd if you're still Hi, on JD. we are going to move on to other stuff that maybe y'all can talk about us uh talk to us about um let's do some like little brief brief things uh first okay. off 
<laughs> this was my favorite news story. So everyone knows I'm not a fan of Love and Thunder. <laughs> so I felt very validated by this news story. And that is that Chris Hemsworth has gone on record uh, criticizing Love and Thunder. Um, okay. And not, not, I, I'm not trying to be like, you know, get those. It's not a clickbaity thing. He just, um, I'll, I'll read the comments. When, when asked about Thor Love and Thunder and, and why people didn't respond as positively to it, he says, quote, I think we just had too much fun. It just became too silly. It's always hard being in the center of it and having any real perspective. I love the process. It's always a ride. You just don't know how people are going to respond. And then he went on to say how his daughter was the most critical um, of it or his his kid's friends. Sorry, because his daughter was in the movie. His kid's yeah. friends said, um, he goes, it's a bunch of eight-year-olds critiquing my film. We thought this one had too much humor. The action was cool, but the VFX were just not good. I cringe and laugh equally at it. So uh, it's kind of cool to see like some of the Marvel actors kind of like reflect on their own movies. And talk. Yeah. I just thought I just thought that was a funny news story because I read it. It was like, Chris Hemsworth hates his own film. And I knew that was false because I was like, well, that's not true. Let me actually click on the article and read what he said. Right. He just says he thinks it's a little too silly and that's why audiences didn't take it seriously. And he, you know, you don't know when you're in front of a camera. I mean, I just came back from a film set and like, I, I was having a blast, but if the movie sucks, I'm not going to be like, no, but it was fun. Like, no, I'll be like, it was fun. And it just didn't come together. But I, I, right. I, think our movie, I, did, I didn't think a movie's going to be great. Just saying, okay. um, but, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you never know until you see it, how it's going to go. And you know what, if you had fun on the process, if you had fun, I mean, he made it with his daughter. I mean, that that's all you can ask for, I guess. But any, any thoughts on that headline of him talking about his own review of Love and Thunder? It's funny that literally the like gaggle of eight-year-olds he's talking about like nailed every single criticism. They were like, too much humor. Not The fight sequence were like, bleh. And also the visual effects were just bad. Like, that's literally <laughs> what like grown-ass Marvel fans, like those yeah. are all the, they hit the nail on the head. And that's And when hilarious. you have eight-year-olds saying, that looked crappy. Like, that. that's when you know. <laughs> like, maybe you that's need to really give them funny. more time and more money to, to make these. Or maybe look, demand <laughs> less of them. I don't know. Um, all right. Other little bit of news. Uh, Hulk is now on Disney+. Plus. The Incredible Hulk is finally uh, the 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 whole contract or whatever with Sony or whatever studio had it. I don't even think it was Sony has ended. And now Disney is able to put it on Disney plus. So the incredible Hulk is available. So anyone in the trivia league who doesn't want to go and try to find the Blu-ray or rent it or anything, you can now watch the incredible Hulk. Now every single movie, except for no way home, I believe. And far from home, I believe are on Disney plus is far from home on there yet or no. Um, no, it's, it's just okay. homecoming right now. So the only oh. two films you can't watch only three, I should say, are Far From Home, No Way Home, and Guardians 3. Every other film is somewhere on Disney Plus for you to watch. So, uh, But Bale, though, I know JD. I know Bale's great. Bale's great in the movie. I get it. Um, no, it's I, he's, he's great. But um, Bale wasn't having fun, that's for sure. But oh. Bale was methoding oh. the shit out of that. In, uh, he's talking Thunder. about Love and Thunder? Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah that was Hulk, the Hulk, highlight for sure. Hulk's on Disney Plus. How do you feel, Kels? Because now you have no excuses not to watch it. <laughs> um, that honestly is fantastic news because I have to study. <laughs> so the fact that they're just adding more and more of the MCU on Disney Plus is going to make my rewatch so much uh, easier and more convenient for me. And just so you know, um, it was Universal Pictures that Universal, owned, that's what it was. Um, The Incredible Hulk. Um, Interesting. But, you know, it's still going to be one of those ones that, like, it's like watching The Incredible Hulk was like being forced to eat vegetables as a kid. It's like, you know, or like even now as an adult, like, you know, they're not my go-to, but I know I need them for nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I and I do like 
you know, some vegetables, but like yeah. I mostly just eat them because I know I have to. And that's what it feels like whenever I watch The Incredible Hulk. I'm like, I just need to watch this because there hey, might be a question. He is green. So it makes the analogy. There you sense. go. Um, but but JD, JD does say The Incredible Hulk is shockingly very underrated. And I will, I won't agree just because I think it's like properly rated. It's not one of the best MCU films, but maybe underrated in the fact that I don't think it's the lowest of the low. And I think honestly, with more time, I've appreciated it a little bit more. Cause I think the visuals are still really good compared to yeah. some of the stuff we're getting now to where like, I almost kind of wish they went back to the kind of more grounded stories where like there's some visual effects, but it's mostly said in real life sets. And I don't know mm -hmm. something about phase one, the more time removed from it and the more stuff we've gotten since I've kind of come around to appreciate a little bit more just because it kind of, was using a regular budget in regular ways uh, mm -hmm. instead of trying to overstretch it. But I, I'm interested to rewatch it now that's on Disney Plus. Um, even though the, the match is written, so you know I won't say <laughs> how much of the Incredible Hulk is on there. I try to evenly disperse all the films. Um, sure, but, sure. Uh, you never know what the wheel spins. Some films are favored more than others, just by nature. But um, yeah, so well, it's very interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that goes after you watch it for for your match next week, Kelsey. Still, if you're looking for a movie that's more grounded and uh, definitely uses uh, real sets and films on location, might I interest you in Eternals? Oh, a very mm -hmm. that now that is underrated. That's what I'll say. That um, is a shockingly underrated film. I that will, is an underrated film. That is a hill I will die on. It's, it's really I funny because I, I love Eternals. We both love Eternals. And I know yeah. Chad, friend of the show, and uh, Chad, if, if well, you're upset at me for saying this, it's okay because you're about to be upset with me in a sec for my opinion about another movie. It's interesting because the Eternals, the way we love the Eternals and Chad hates the Eternals is how I feel about The Flash because Chad loves The Flash and I hate The Flash. So it's like kind of interesting because now whenever he's like, Eternals sucks, I can just be like, The Flash sucks. And he'll be like, The Flash is awesome. And I'll be like, Eternals is awesome. So it's like now yeah. I kind of feel that balance to where now I'm like, all right, I get where he's coming from when he says how bad Eternals is and he doesn't understand how I can love it. That's kind of how I feel now we'll be able to have that counter. Like it almost like balances us out now because now I'm like, Chad, how do you not see the brilliance of the Eternals? And now he can just look at me and say, Dylan, how can you not see the brilliance of the Flash? So, so we're, we're even now. Uh, and, and JD does agree, Eternals underrated. Thank you, sir. Thank you, JD. Um, all right. Last little bit of news before we get, because we have like two big news topics. Um, and Kelsey has a news topic she wants to bring up. But Spider-Verse, um, it's crushing. It's crushing at the box office. It is doing so well. The first Spider-Verse, you know, it was an animated Spider-Man movie. Not many people knew what to expect, but it blew up. Uh, in popularity and um, in reviews, but it didn't really blow up in box office. But this new one, um, it made 120.5 million in its first weekend alone, uh, which is about 28,000 per theater, which is huge for an opening weekend for an animated film and for uh, an animated superhero film. Um, that gives the Spider-Verse the eighth best all-time domestic opening for an animated feature. So that is uh, a huge opening uh, for Spider-Verse. It, it really is a really amazing phenomenon. I saw it again when I was in Detroit. My one off mm. day in Detroit, we all went to see Spider-Verse because I loved it that much. Um, so Spider-Verse is performing very, very well at the box office. And I didn't get to show this off because we filmed it. Uh, we filmed our Spider-Verse review when I was in my house in Jersey, but I do have my poster here. I wanted to show everyone just because we got these posters at the movie. Yeah. And, and I just want to show everyone how cool the poster is that we got for opening night. Some of you might also have this one, but uh, there it is. I'm just going to, oh, I just knocked over all my pop figures. Um, there it is. <laughs> I'm trying to show it all in one frame, but it's not really, not really working. <laughs> there we go, it's um, also hard because our, uh, the, 
screens are mirrored so we like move the opposite direction i'm explaining mm. for the people who are watching yes. that that was very probably very difficult because uh, we everything is off. opposite i knocked my groots off no um, not groot oh i have every form of groot except for oh no i have big Groot, but he's in in new jersey but, you know what um, i'll get him later oh my god i'm not oh my, my god groots all over the place my groots are all over the place <laughs> Where's baby Groot? Here he is. I'll just I'll just set him right here instead. Okay. Because he's he's sitting there with the little uh M &Ms. The little candies. Yeah. There yeah. we go. So he's gonna sit there and, and and big teenage Groot is just gonna hang out right next to Star Lord there. Oh nobody's falling over. I'll just lay him down right there. there his head is too big for his body. <laughs> Those pops, man. Like the Thor pop doesn't stand up on its own. It literally just falls over because the head is oh. too heavy. It yeah. Just falls every which way. <laughs> um, but he's got the little searcher helmet in his hands, which is cool. Oh, um, nice. And then, and then the Hulk has his, like, you know, gladiator armor. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Star-Lord. But those are the only Marvel I have here, but I have some other ones. Uh, just some thoughts before we uh, move on to the next topic. Firmly mid on the middle on Flash, that's fine. Uh, JD liked a little bit more. Across the Spider-Verse, one of those films where I think people were able to catch up with in the Spider-Verse during the pandemic helped the sequel. Yeah, because Spider-Verse was a big pandemic watch for a lot of people, so I guess that built the hype. Uh, yeah, sequels always do better if the first movie's really good. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I'm definitely not surprised. And they announced on this, on this uh, wavelength, uh, they announced they are in production. Sony is working on a live action Miles Morales film. So we're going to finally see Miles Morales in live action form. Huh. Um, not, not related to the MCU at all. I think it's still going to be its own separate thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm very interested to see how that goes. Uh, any thoughts on Spider-Verse just a, a few weeks removed? Just have you thought about it anymore? Do you still love it? Oh, I still love it. I can't mm. wait for the next one. And I do want to say on record that I also got, the poster with dill because we both saw it together but i took a cab home back to my apartment and i left the poster in the cab how do you leave like uh, i get it if it was like okay so i saw listen asteroid city. Uh, i saw asteroid city the new wes anderson movie and they gave yeah. us these little alien keychains the alien from yeah. asteroid city um i could get losing this if this falls out of your bag in a cab it might be little but a big poster Dill, it was two in the morning when we left that movie. I was very tired. And, like, I never want to feel like I'm wasting the cab driver's time when it's, like, I do the payment and I give him his tip. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Have a good night. I am rushing to get out of that cab because I feel like I'm I'm taking up too much of his time. He probably has somewhere to be, blah, 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 whatever. Uh -huh. So I just grabbed my stuff quickly and 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 left. And I literally walked into my apartment. I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I was holding something. And then you texted me. It was like, oh my God, the poster is awesome. And I was like, <laughs> my poster. It was well, very sad. There's two things I hope. I hope either the guy was a big Spider-Man fan and was like, awesome. Or I hope <laughs> he, he went home and was like, shit, I got to find that girl to give her her poster back. And he's currently on a search through New York to try mm. to find um, wow, that'd be and, iconic. And you're gonna fall in love. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know if he was your age. We'll see. Um, talk about your news. You you, you want to bring up Secret Invasion? Tell me, tell me some oh, thoughts on Secret Invasion. I just wanted to bring up Secret Invasion because I feel like it's getting talked oh talked about a lot right now. Yeah, it comes out um, in two days. So they it comes out in two days. They released a trailer for episode one, which was interesting. Um, and it just like looks kind of crazy you know we we have shots of maria hill saying like 
you know, we we see a lot of Nick Fury without an eye patch, which I'm digging. I'm digging this look. Oh, you like it? Of okay, just, cool. No, I think that you know, do something different, shape shake up the look. Um, uh, he's been ar- he's been around for like you know 30 movies now with the eye patch. We can see him without the eye patch now, and you know, it just it just looks like it's gonna be this like super. You know, we're we're never gonna know who's uh not a scroll and who is. And mm. I feel like it's just gonna be it's a combination of all my favorite characters, which are, you know, Martin Freeman's um Ross, yeah. Everett Ross, thank you. Uh Ben Middleton. Wow, did I get a ch- wait, 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 wait. I need just wait, here's the so- soapbox here for all the podcasters. Go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll step up on my soap soapbox here. Right, here I go. All right, I'm up on the soapbox. I walked over. Now let me hop up. Lots of steps. All right, I'm up on my soapbox now. Okay. I just got pulled a Marvel name before Kelsey. I would have won a speed round against Kelsey. Just saying. All right, let me hop off my soapbox now and go back to my seat. All right, I am here. Um, Wow, that was amazing. Listen, I would have got there eventually. I just, I only really know him as uh, Martin Freeman because I I just love him. uh, ben Middleton's coming back to play Talos. Um, you know, we have we're meeting new characters in this one. I, I'm excited. Are you excited to like get back into watching a show, Dill? We haven't excited. we haven't watched a Marvel show in a in, yeah, a, just in a, a minute. Yeah, because it's like Spider Verse happened. We talk about it, and then it's like that's our review. You know, like it's nice right. to be able to talk about something and then like revisit it again the next week and the next week. And it's right. nice now and that like, we do this. Now we that we do trivia once a month for these longer series, it'll be like, we kind of have a little break so we can do two at once. Like next week we have a trivia match to do. So we're not going to talk about secret invasion until two episodes or three episodes are out. Um, so it'll be cool to like, kind of talk about them in chunks and then kind of progress as the season goes. I'm very excited just cause I really like Nick Fury. I like Samuel Jackson. And I've been kind of wishing that Marvel just go back to something a little bit more grounded because everything's mm-hmm. been cosmic or huge visual effects. we got the quantum realm. we got guardians, which I think looks amazing. I think guardians visuals look really good, but like, again, mm-hmm. it's very otherworldly. And, um, and now we're finally going to back to the raw roots, which I feel like we haven't really been to, I guess a little bit Wakanda forever, but Wakanda forever has so much like otherworldliness just in its design that like, this really does feel like, a phase two project you know what i mean so i'm I'm excited for it um and i am excited because other critics have already seen the first two episodes and a lot of them like it some of them are like just waiting for it to heat up some of them love it um very few dislike it so that's good um next moving on to another thing that just got a trailer and that's craven craven the hunter um yes obviously a spider-man villain but it's part of that sony verse where they can't really use spider-man but they can use the villains it's the venom verse where see venom but you can't really see uh spider-man so uh what do we what do we think uh kelsey uh, did you watch the trailer i did watch the trailer okay. i did my homework right. um i okay so I, I must have forgotten in my brain that um it was gonna be aaron taylor johnson okay and i watched the trailer and i was like is that is that aaron taylor johnson and I was very uh, happy to learn that it very much is. Um, it was giving so a me fan. a lot. You're a fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, okay, big cool. fan. Huge oh, okay, fan. good, good, good. Uh, did Love you see him. Bullet Train? Bullet Train? I did. Yeah, I did. And I, and I really liked it a lot. It he's was really, really great. Have you seen Nocturnal Animals? Um, No. You gotta watch it. Do you like Amy Adams? Um, Yeah. yeah. Do you like Jake Gyllenhaal? She... I mean, do you like Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. as an actor? Um, I I like his work, yes. Not him. I'm talking about him as an actor, his performances. 
Yeah. That's, okay. Then you'll, that's you'll like not what I mean by I like his work. No, I know it, it was my way of asking, do you like Jake Gyllenhaal knowing the answer is you hate him as a person because Taylor Swift, but like you don't disrespect his acting. I don't know. You'll like Nocturnal Animals though. Check it out. It's really good. Okay. Um, Jared Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe for it. It's great. Um, oh, incredible. So, uh, yeah, more thoughts on the trailer. Sorry, I just wanted to get it out. Because yeah, I like yeah, Aaron yeah. Taylor Johnson too, but I feel like some people are a little like... I no. Don't, I, don't I, I feel like some people I, don't like him. I'm excited. What's not to like? He's a great actor. He's good looking. He's kick-ass too. He's kick-ass. I keep forgetting. Yeah. That's another superhero film. Yeah. Exactly. I just, I'm excited to get you know, more of him in, in a Marvel movie in, in some capacity because, you know, he was gone too soon in the MCU. So if I can uh, get him in, in the Marvel in a different way, that's, I, I'm excited. I will say, though, the trailer was giving me a lot of Wolverine vibes. Like, it okay. felt very much, it felt very reminiscent of, like, mm -hmm. the first Wolverine movie, which, like, was, what was it? X-Men Origins Wolverine, is that? His first solo or, movie, yeah, in 2000, 2008 would have been X-Men Origins. That's, but, that, yeah. yeah, that's where we people delve into like his backstory. I was going to say, people kind of disregard that film in general. So like his first sure. like, real film is The Wolverine in 2013. Ten years later, retrospective, go check it out. Well, Spotify. it just, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying that the quality is going to be similar because we don't know yet, but I'm just saying it was reminiscent just because, you know, it's this guy who... Grow, uh, you know, grows up with like a younger brother of sorts, and they have this kind of like evil, you know, this seemingly evil father raising them, uh, you know, to be bad played people. And Russell Crowe, <laughs> played by <laughs> Russell Crowe, who's doing yet another crazy accent. I fucking love it. Uh, at this point in his career, why not get those checks? He's now in Superman. He's Superman's dad. He is mm. now. Um, uh, Zeus, Zeus in the MCU, and now he's Craven's dad. Like, honestly, get that paycheck, Javier. Do it. JD saying that he felt more of a Morbius vibe from the trailer, oh, which that's yeah, crazy. Like JD, JD, yeah, sorry. JD is all in for Old Man Fury. Me too. Uh, Marvel's looks promising. Marvel, uh, Miss Marvel vibe. Yep. Uh, he says Craven yeah. shrug, but Ariana Debose. Yes, Ariana Debose, my girl. Yes, she's, she's in it. Uh, she looks great in it too. And and Morbius yeah, yeah, vibe. yeah. Morbius vibes. I got a little bit of that in the sense that it's like. It's so weird to have a villain removed from a hero. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you? But mm. same with Venom. And I think Venom made it work. I just think if Craven can like kind of figure out its thing um, mm -hmm. rather than just like, this is a villain who does villainous things, but also not trying to make him too heroic. Like, don't yeah. make it like Cruella where you're like, oh, Cruella. And then you're like, oh, yeah, she harms puppies. Ooh. How right. I, you, know, um, you know, they need to find a balance, I think. Uh, not make him like a superhero. Kind of like a Venom. Like, yeah, he's a yeah villain but like there's something charming still that we'd like to watch and then another aspect of it that kind of reminded me of the wolverine movies was that it just seems very violent and i and i'm hoping that they kind of find a nice already? balance i'm gonna look it up i i'm I just hope because you know me i talked about it before i i'm not a fan of really violent stuff you know, I think that it needs to be well balanced. I don't mm. mind if there's, you know, because I feel like in a way the Deadpool movies are very violent and very graphic, but they kind of balance it out with the comedy and how they, you know, are really great at like developing the characters in the in the Deadpool uh, universe. But mm. I feel like as long as there's a good balance between the story and the per acting performances and the action that, you know, it should be fine. But those are the yeah. two things that make me hesitant. For this yeah, I'm not, I'm not finding a rating anywhere, but, but it does have a red band trailer, meaning an R rated trailer. So yeah, I guess it's mm. on. Um, it has to be. When, right? when does it come out? 
Uh, it comes out October 6th, so mm. it's time for Halloween. Um, Ooh, spooky yeah, season. I, I don't know what's about Craven. I remember like reading Spider-Man comics and like liking the presence of Craven, but I remember him with like mm. a very thick accent. That's what Russell Crowe has, but they're not doing mm. that with Craven, just his dad. So that's an interesting choice. I like the whole idea. Thank of, like, God. He speaks with the animals. <laughs> My only worry is like, do they have the visual effects to pull off the animals? Because like when you have animals doing a lot in movies and you don't have actual animals, let's say you're not gonna have a real mm. lion. You know, like <laughs> at least I hope not. Um, you know, <laughs> cocaine, cocaine Bear used all their budget on the CGI of that one animal to where it looked right. pretty good, it looked convincing. But is right. it going to work when there's so many animals going on, or are they going to lean into the schlock of it? I don't know. But um, I, I didn't hate the trailer. I, I thought it looked interesting. I just, I just don't necessarily know what they're, how they're portraying Craven in terms of like, are they going full fledged villain? Are they going kind of like anti hero? I don't know. It's like Wolverine. We yeah. still know his hero at the end of the day. Whereas here, I'm like still trying to struggle with that, and I think that's the problem that Morbius had a little bit is that it was a villain, but there was an even bigger villain that he was facing, and like mm. same as Venom, you know. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do because venom had the comedy angle to lean on of the whole like right. odd couple you know mm -hmm. kind of the physical comedy and the humor in the scenario of like oh he's talking with this other thing but craven i, I don't know what they're gonna do yet and I, I just don't know where these are all building to and honestly yeah. if they don't build to something that's fine but then don't don't give us post-credit scenes with michael keaton showing up assuming they're gonna connect all these into a universe you know and it's, it's just let it be mm. and i hope they just yeah. let it be um because i know he signed on for multiple movies as craven so i know they mm. want to do something with him but I, I like how the Venom is kind of just staying in its own lane. I hope this does too. But any other yeah. thoughts on, on Craven? Um, I, I'm oh. just, I'm. We're, we're, I, I forgot to mention at the very end, we get another tease for another villain who's going to be in it. Rhino is coming back. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. That, yes. that shook me. Um, just seeing yes. like kind of the skin. And it looked cool with the, the very subtle bit we saw. But um, yeah. Well, yes, David Allen says uh, he's a villain. Yes, he is a villain in the comics. And, and in the trailer, they do that. But I was just wondering if they were going to um, like kind of make him more of like a sympathetic villain, kind of like the movie Cruella or um, even kind of Venom did or Morbius did, where like there's a bigger yeah. villain. So you're still rooting for him. I wonder if because this is a standalone movie, there's no Spider-Man. Because if it's a Spider-Man movie, Craven's the villain. But like mm -hmm. when it's just Craven's movie, are they going to maybe make him more sympathetic at least toward the end maybe i that's my one worry is is like let these villains be villains but but yes he is a villain in the comics so we'll see um for me i was getting more of an anti-hero vibe because it kind of yeah. feels like the main villain of it all will be his father yeah. um because there is that line i forget who says it but maybe it's ariana debose says it to him and is like you're no different from your father you hunt exactly how he did so it kind of feels like there's almost this struggle of like he doesn't want to be like him but he's you know he's killing bad guys so is he really you know a part of the problem um that's at least what i was getting maybe there's a big villain turn at some point not sure uh, but um yeah ba craven the hunter based on and i'm reading this on wikipedia stanley and steve ditko just going mm -hmm. out there um all there right and the last the last bit of news which is probably like the biggest bit of news in terms of just like how it impacts the overall mcu and, and like big deal shit is is the wga strike the writers guild strike um very blanket statement to anyone who's not like in tune with this because you know it's it's a public thing but especially for ent entertainment industry we know about it but you know some outsiders might not know the writers guild is striking they basically want to get paid more money by producers so they're going on strike and they're mm -hmm. not working until they get their money and mm -hmm. the money they feel they deserve um so until the producers budge the writers aren't budging now sag has agreed that if sag is not if the producers do not meet the sag 
expectations, SAG will also go on a strike, which is Screen Actors Guild, which affects even more people. Now, a lot of people right. have been turning this into, uh, well, how dare they hinder the movie industry by striking? Now they can't release these movies or they can't make these movies. And I say, I, I totally support the writers. I, I hope... Honestly, if it goes two years of just getting AI-made films or non-union films in order for those writers to get what they deserve, I'm for it. Because I'd rather the writers be happy and, and well taken care of than mm -hmm. the writers working for so little money just for our sake and our entertainment. You know, So that's right. the way I look at it. I'm, I'm fully in support of the writers' strike. I was very fortunate enough. I don't know if you were at work the other day, Kels. In Times Square, in the middle of Times Square, there was a, uh, a uh, concert for the WGA, the Broadway, Broadway through like a concert in support of the WGA. I could like, mm. I walked from work to, to go watch it during, uh, and, and, you know, um, it, it was, it was really cool to see just all the, the, you know, singers and Broadway stars kind of come in support. And, and I got to watch Lin-Manuel Miranda and Sarah Bareilles perform for free. I got to see oh, the, original, wow. the original guys from Rent sing what you own for free. I was like, this is wow. crazy. I'm living the dream. And I'm standing there in my, my uniform at work and my manager's with me and she's like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I'm like, yeah, this is nuts. Um, so if you're watching and you're one of my other managers, I did not leave work. I was still on shift. Don't worry. I was listening to any any parties coming in the door to seat. Um, don't get me in trouble. Um, but Till left cool. work to watch the concert. No. Um, anyway, writer strike obviously affects Marvel because now the whole rule is when they're on strike, any scripts that have been written can be produced because everyone else can work except for writers. Mm -hmm. But the difference is when you're on set, you're not allowed to change the script in any way. Um, if it's a, a union writer who wrote the script, you're not allowed to change the script in any way. And if it hasn't been written, you can't write a script unless you hire non-union actors and it becomes a non-union project. But obviously Marvel, they're all union projects. So the predicament Marvel's in now is that a lot of their movies need scripts. So those are getting mm -hmm. delayed. A lot of movies that had scripts are going to film, but the big one that is currently in production is Deadpool 3. Now Deadpool, Kels, is, mm. is pretty nice because Ryan Reynolds does a little riffing, a little improv, right? Mm -hmm. That's altering the script. So he's not allowed to improv on set. So now they have to film Deadpool mm. without improv, <laughs> sticking only oh. to the script they have. And that's the issue we're in. <laughs> and okay. that is why everyone's a little nervous for Deadpool 3. Because now you... So what I think is, and a lot of people are sharing this sentiment, they think that what they're going to do is film everything that's more action forward first. And then yeah. hopefully by the time the writer's strike is over, they can film the comedy stuff and the quips and all that, or yeah. film it all where he has the mask on. And then later and just once they have dub it over. Yeah. yeah. So um, thoughts on Deadpool. And then I'll get into the actual calendar. Cause a lot of MCU dates have shifted now have been pushed because of this. So, um, but thoughts on Deadpool specifically and, and the writer's strike in general, any thoughts on that? And, and, do you are you worried for Deadpool because of this or you you don't care? <laughs> um well that's interesting. So if an actor wants to improv something on set that like has to be cleared by the writers. Yeah, because technically you're you're changing the dialogue in the script and they would need to yeah, so you, you have to go by the script. You can't alter the script in any way, and that includes improv. So you must stick to the exact words on the page, otherwise you're breaking the strike code. Or, like, uh, like, for example, my movie I filmed in Detroit, it was a non-union writer, non-union actor, so we were able to improv, do whatever we wanted. Um, and he could alter the script every day. But um, just being on a film set, I will say there's a lot of, like, 
the day before, oh, here's a little revision of the script for the scene we're shooting tomorrow. They can't do that. They, they have to mm. go with what they have. Uh, so that's what that means. It's just they cannot improv because any improv is technically adding or subtracting words from the script. Ah, uh, I see. Um, Predicament. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I feel like I'm not too worried because I feel like, well, who, who wrote Deadpool three? Did Ryan Reynolds, does he have a writing credit on it? Or um, I, I don't know if he does. Let, let me find this information. Um, I, I feel like he must, because I, I think he still gets credited because he improvs so much because of the improv. Uh, all right. So the screenplay, and this is a little worrying just because usually when you have this many people on a screenplay, it's doomed. Ryan Reynolds, Sean Levy, uh, Rhett Reese, Wendy Molyneux, uh, Paul Wernick, and Lizzie Molyneux are the six writers on the Deadpool script. Uh, so, okay. yep. And and Ryan Reynolds is con considered a union writer, so he's double banned. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, JD answered a question while I was looking it up. Yes, thank you, JD. Thank you. I love the live chat because it keeps us on our, uh, <laughs> you know, keeps us from you know. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Ryan Reynolds cannot improv because he would be altering his own. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, well. Here's the thing. I kind I kind of trust that the writers wrote a very good script and that anything else Ryan Reynolds would want to add in it would just kind of be extra. I think that either the first two Deadpool movies could have just been released word for word without any sort of, you know, addition or subtraction of anything. And I think that they still would have been just as funny and just as entertaining. I think that, you know, just Ryan Reynolds putting his own little spin on it is just kind of like, kind of just getting like bonus content. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, mm -hmm. it doesn't make me too worried for it because I do trust the writers uh, first, and, first and foremost to write a really, you know, funny and intellectual mm -hmm. script. Um, the, I will say though, I found something out about Deadpool three that I was upset to learn. And okay. I don't know if it was true or not. And okay. I forget where I even saw it. I think, I think I remember where I saw it. Yeah. I think it was on some sort of okay. website. Anyway, it's that Domino will not be in Deadpool three. I believe I heard that as well. Yeah. But Peter will, I, I did see that. So <laughs> not no, I what no, I, I wanted. Know. No, I know. Wait, I, you mean I, the guy Sugar Bear? Is that who you're talking about? No, the the P Peter, the guy who signed up to join the the X Force and then like died right away. Yeah, the guy with the mustache. Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Back. He calls him Sugar Bear. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, but all right, oh, you got a trivia point back on me. You can get shit, on your sofa. Thank you. Uh. She was so cool. I want to yeah. see her in Deadpool 3. What the and hell? And again, it, it might have been one of those things where they might have later decided to add her back in and maybe negotiate something, but they can't do that. until. And, and great, if the writer's strike ends tomorrow, then they can go back to business as usual, improv, whatever they want. Mm. But like that's the thing is is I think, uh, yeah, as far as I know, she's not in this next one. I, I, I think uh. the only ones who have been confirmed, though, are Ryan, Hugh Jackman, and then the guy playing Peter, from what I've read. Uh, there's probably more, obviously, uh, but I, I really I haven't looked into too much of Deadpool 3's production. But um, okay, so JD did say she was interviewed herself and said she wasn't in it. So, yes. Uh, very Zazie, interesting. Zazie Beats is her Zazie name? Beats. Zazie Beats, yeah. Um, yeah. Who was in something recently that I forget, but was very good in it. Let me just see if there's any other. Who else is in the cast right now um uh blind al is back uh his roommate oh um, funny tom, oh i don't know how much of this is true but it says that tom hiddleston and owen wilson are in it because of loki so they might 
Oh. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Random. No, just because it, 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 it says Loki and the Mo- Mo- oh, Mobius. Oh, yeah. Mobius. Um, uh, oh, Marina Bakarin's back as Vanessa. Um, Matthew cool. McFadden is going to cool. be in this. Yeah, Rob Delaney is Peter. Colossus is back. Yukio's back. Miss Minutes is in it. So I, I don't know if they're Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Dopinder, the driver. TJ yeah. Miller is also back, apparently. So I don't know if I trust this because I don't think TJ Miller is I don't think he's back anywhere. Anyway, I don't know. Um, but anyway, Deadpool 3. The interesting news, though, because of this, yeah. I think, though, because Deadpool 3 is the only one that's actually in production, they actually moved up the release date from November 8th, 2024 to May 3rd. So May 3rd gives them, I think, 11 months to get it together, finish it, edit it. But I think huh. it's very interesting. I assume maybe their thought was, well, these other movies don't even have scripts done yet so we can't do anything so we have mm. to push this one up because at least this one has a script done and then the yeah. other ones will hope the writer strikes over but if this writer strike goes on for a year everything's gonna have to push they're gonna have to because there's no way ryan reynolds mm-hmm. is not gonna want to slip in an extra joke or two in mm. the final cut i just know it and and i think sure. a lot of deadpool was improv so i don't know i really don't know like i think a lot of deadpool script there's there were sections that says ryan improvs here you know, um, so mm. I, I really don't know. Um, but let's talk really quickly about some of the other ships. Captain America Brave New World, uh, which is the title for the fourth Captain America film, has been pushed from May 3rd, which was is now where Deadpool is, uh, to July 24th. Uh, so it's moving two months. So maybe that script's done, too, because that's that's about a year from now. Maybe not. Thunderbolts, which was supposed to come out. Uh, in July 26. So so Captain America moved into the Thunderbolt slot and Thunderbolts moved into this Christmas slot December 20th. Um Fantastic 4 is now moving from February 14th, 2025 to May 2nd. So that's moving 3 months. Blade is moving from September 6th, 2024 to February 14th, 2025. So that's moving almost 5 or 6 months. And then the next two Avengers movies, The Kang Dynasty is delayed now till May 1st, 2026. And Avengers Secret Wars is now May 7th, 2027. So Deadpool's the only one that moved up. Um, Captain America basically took Deadpool's slot. Thunderbolts took Cap... Or, sorry. Deadpool took Captain America's slot. Captain America took Thunderbolt's slot. Thunderbolts took Deadpool's slot. Then Blade got pushed. Fantastic Four got pushed. Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars all... They, they, they all got pushed. That's the mm. easiest way to say it in the shortest yeah. terms. Um, wow. Wow. So- thoughts on that 2027 feels like a a made-up year but i guess that's only four years away so it shouldn't sound that insane but for some reason it does um jd's saying that owen and loki are not confirmed and tj is not back yeah and that so that that was so that was just reading it off of google so google's just yeah i think google makes things up because when i was like looking at spider-man like I don't know. It was they said something insane that like Andrew like Garfield was gonna be in like I don't know I don't even know like Loki season well, two or something. Madness or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah something um, something bizarre, which is yeah. not but true. This also affects other things like all the Avatar movies are shifting. Um, a lot of the Pixar things are are shifting. Star Wars is shifting some stuff. Yeah. So like the writers' strike is is affecting all. But I just want to get back to the overall point that like the writers should not be blamed for any of this. And I, I think there's some people out there who are like, oh, if the writers just suck it up and take the money they were getting, then like none of this would have happened. But I think 
I, but, I don't think people understand how little they're making for the amount of work they're doing. Because a lot of yeah. this stuff, especially the world building and stuff, a lot of it rests on the writers. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. can get a, a guy fresh out of acting school who's not union to be in a film, but you need a union writer because they have the experience. They know what it's like to write for a big project, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to diss non-union writers. There's some great non-union writers, but usually, you know, it helps to have that credit, you know? So I, I don't know. Um, it's very interesting, but I don't think the writer's guild should be blamed at all. The fact that at the end of the day, Jill, the, the industry has completely changed, right? Like it's no longer, they're no longer making money the way that they used to, which was through ad revenue and, you know, airing live on television on like ABC and then making all that money from commercials. It's all Mm -hmm. streaming services now, basically. Yeah. So you don't get money per view anymore. Like you would, right. Like an episode of friends airs on Nick at night. They're getting money every time it airs. Right. Yeah. If you put it all on the residuals, they can't watch it on TV. Then yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking of uh, like Coda, the best picture winning Coda. They're not making money for people watching it. It's just up, up on Apple and they got their pay and they probably got more pay for the Oscar, but they're not getting money because it's not airing on TV at all. You know, there's no. Right. Reasons. Exactly. And since the way that, you know, we the way we consume media has changed, the way that we treat the creative team behind the media also needs to change. And I don't think that that's a big ask at all. So I'm hoping that they come to um, a decision soon. Some people in, in like the industry or like who are industry adjacent adjacent are predicting that they're going to come to some sort of agreement by the end of this year. And I'm hoping that that's, that's the case. Yeah. I would hope because the last writer strike, I believe was three and a half, four months long. And that was in 2007. So keep in mind yeah. the writers prices right now, the, the writers, what they're getting is 2007 contract agreements, which is, it doesn't feel like a long ways away, but it's at least 15 years. Like that's 16 years. So it's been 16 right. years since they last made an agreement. Like a lot has changed. Ticket prices right. in 2007. I could see a movie for five bucks normally. Now I pay two twenty bucks for an IMAX ticket. You know what I mean? Even more. Mm-hmm. So I, I really do think that, you, like you said, the climate is changing so much that they need that. Um, Josh, uh, JD says, agreed. Back the studios haven't. Uh, plan to replace writers with AI is reason enough. Yeah. Also, more writers are in New York or LA, which is ridiculous. Rent. Exactly. Yeah. Rent is expensive. We both know. Um, <laughs> Kelsey and I. So, um, and, and that's another thing is is the, the AI thing is scary too because now they're threatening, well, if the writers aren't working for us, then fine. We'll just have robots write our scripts. And it's weird because it's possible and it's scary. Um, and I don't want to go down that But they're not good. <laughs> no, but, but, but that's the thing is if you have like big stars and flashy action and you have a lame story, then maybe all you need is an AI to put the dialogue to paper. And that's scary. That's really scary. Um, and I hope we don't go down that route. It might be a cool experiment once or twice to see like, Oh, how would it work? If we have an AI try to make a comedy or try to make an action comedy, you know, but like, yeah. ah, I don't know. It scares me. That, that scares me a lot. No. Yeah. That feels so dystopian and yeah. weird. I don't like it at all. Yeah, that, like, I don't like things thinking of things. Mm, yeah, and, and then the next step is, well, we just make it all animated and we have AIs voice the characters and then actors are out jobs and then, oh, we'll have AI to edit the films and then editors are out jobs, you know? And right. that's why I'm still glad, you know, we still have cameras, we still have tangible things, we still have actors yeah. who are going on sets and making them. Um, but once one thing gets AI'd, everything's going to get AI'd. So I hope, like storyboarding, they could easily just say, AI, make me a storyboard. Like that's scary to me. 
Um, right. So I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope um, that doesn't happen. And if it happens, it's a very quick experiment and then we're done. Um, I hope it doesn't last like 3D lasted after Avatar where everything was just in 3D for no reason. Um, and now, <laughs> and then we finally got removed from it and then Avatar The Way Water came out and then everything was again in 3D everywhere. Um, it still is. So, um, but that I'm not as annoyed about because it's like, whatever, things are jumping at me when they don't need to be. Um, yeah, so that's the writer's strike. Or get AI to do the first draft and then get a writer to rewrite at a great or reduced price. Yeah, sure. But again, yeah, there's there's just something about that that like if I was a writer, I wouldn't want that. You know, I, I would feel Yeah, like no. Defeated. And um, I think that if it gets to a, a point where a studio is trying to like produce a script that was written by AI, I think it's up to actors and directors to say, no, I'm not being a part of that. And then right. if something does get made, I then think it's up to us, the consumers, to kind of boycott that and say, no, yeah. I'm not watching that. I agree. You know? But then but then the tricky thing is if it ends up on Netflix and you have a Netflix account, are you supporting it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's right. what's tough. Yeah. Like, everyone's talking about The Flash and how there's maybe a certain actor that people don't want to support. So they're not going to go pay for the flash in theaters which is totally their decision totally fine mm -hmm. i saw it for free too because i didn't want to pay to support that actor and put money in their pocket um but if it ends up on hbo max or max now max stupid max uh if it ends up on max <laughs> then i am technically still giving money to that person because it's on max and i am paying for a streaming service that has that film so it's really right. one double-edged sword and, and mm -hmm. i agree it's like kind of the same thing it reminds me of singing in the rain it's like do you really want to be singing backstage while someone on stage lip syncs and it's your voice and everyone's saying you sounded so good when you're not the, when you're the one singing but you're not the one being seen it's the same exact right. thing it's like do writers really want to fill in afterwards in AI, make a draft and then you fill in the, the gaps. Like, uh, you know, it feels like singing in the rain. It's like you're, you're kind of writing someone else's work. Um, and that's why I love that movie. Um, <laughs> so, yes, very interesting stuff. I almost said exciting stuff. It's not exciting, but it's an interesting time we're living in, especially off the pandemic, you know? Like, yeah. Think about how movies were put on a hold because of the pandemic and like how we were kind of like craving that movie theater experience, craving. <laughs> um, mm we might go into another slump like that. If the writers don't get paid and there's not movies coming out for a good chunk of time, they can only release stuff that's been written or non-union projects. Um, the only hope is that I hope it maybe gives a few other non-union writers some opportunities to maybe work while they're waiting. Um, you know, like sure. obviously I just, I just wrapped on a non-union project. I hope more now independent films kind of flourish a little bit because of it, because now some of the blockbusters are put on hold, but I still hope mm -hmm. everyone's getting paid at the end of the day, the right amount. So um, yeah. that's our news that's i think everything we needed to cover that we've been we've been uh missing mm -hmm. out on any other marvel things you want to talk about Kels, while we have the time hmm let's see um <laughs> give a trivia match we, next week we i do have a trivia match next how week. how you feeling about that how you feeling um that? well i oh okay so on a on a positive note i have my letterbox account up and running can oh. i can I ask you a question? Is it letterbox or letterboxed? Letterboxed. Okay, so I haven't been saying the D. I didn't even know there was a D in it. Um, that's what she now, said. But <laughs> now... <laughs> I, that's, I literally paused now. because I was like, Dylan's going to make some stupid joke. Um, but oh, anyway... I see, I see. Yeah, see, I've been... Okay, so since I'm, I'm preparing for the match, I'm obviously rewatching all, all the movies. And so I'm, you know, I'm rating the movies as I watch them. And once I'm done with this whole rewatch, I'm probably going to, you know, put them in my little uh, ranking. So 
I'm excited nice. to be doing that. I'm, so I'm nervous. Can I, can for the I match. share your profile now? Can I? Can you say uh, oh, the yeah. name of it? So yeah, follow sure. Kelsey here. I'm going to put it in the chat here as well. Uh, her letterbox now is Kelsey. Oh, I almost just typed two L's. I almost typed Kelly. Uh, Kelsey. There it is. So that is where you can find her um, if you want to find her on Letterboxd. Um, and this is what it looks like. It's her profile. And she's logged three films. So she has logged yes. um, <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger, Captain Marvel, and Iron Man. She's yeah. given Captain America, the first Avenger, a six out of 10, AKA three stars, uh, Captain Marvel, three stars, and Iron Man, uh, three and a half stars. Um, and then you can go to your films and all your films are displayed there that you watch. You can go yeah. to your diary and it, and it shows the dates you watched them. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and that's pretty, pretty damn cool. And you also have a list, Kelsey, you want to explain what this list is? Okay. Well, I'm trying to make a list of every movie I've ever watched. So <laughs> okay. I, so basically like I started, I I'm going by streaming services because I feel like that's the easiest way to do it. It's just like, mm -hmm. I'm scrolling. I started with Netflix and then I'm going to, go through like all the movies on Hulu, HBO Max. And, you know, just like, I just, you know, I'm going to just keep a collection of, of every movie I've ever seen. Just it's more for me than it is for anyone else. But, um, you know, I'm just having fun. You know, I'm just, I'm just getting my, uh, get my toes wet here in the letterboxed oh, sure. universe. Yeah, um, and, and so. do you like it? Have you been like looking at other profiles or reading any other reviews or not really? Uh, I, you I'm know, looking at mine. uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. absolutely. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, it's okay. Um, I, I'm, I need to catch up because I, I need to catch up on all my posts Detroit and, and in Detroit because I would like watch a movie to go to bed in Detroit. And I, I always log them whenever I watch anything. I'm just like, boop, log. Mm -hmm. You can log Stan Lee now. You watched it today. You can log it. Yes, I can. Do you want to do it on air? Um. Okay. Well, I. Sorry, <laughs> if you don't have me. the app, if you only have it on your laptop, that's fine. But. Yeah, I don't have the app yet. It's okay. So, so let me, you can do it all fair, but but her her star rating and and logging of Stanley and potential review. If you want to write a review, that's fine. Um, okay. For that, and you can even link this this video into there either too. Uh, you know, you can do so many cool things with Letterboxd. I hope everyone gets it. Um, but yeah, if you can follow me at Dylan Randazzo Letterboxd, you can follow her at Kelsey Kilp. Uh, where else can they find you though on the internet, Kels? And uh, any oh. last words before your match? um <laughs> wish me luck guys who knows what's gonna happen i'm scared okay <laughs> um <laughs> it's uh my instagram is kelsey a kilpatrick and my tiktok is cause koz 13 if you want to cool. follow me on either of those yeah. did you, you look like you had something to say though did you have something to say you were like oh no no Oh, okay. It looked like All you had right. another thought you wanted to bring up. But anyway, Dylan underscore does on Twitter. Dylan underscore 417 at TikTok. Dill Pickle Movie Network. If you're listening on podcast, please check it out on video. The podcast is doing that thing again where it's not automatically posting from the video. So now I have to manually do it again. Kelsey brought it up. She was like, last thing was posted was April 17th. So I'm so sorry. That's my birthday. Uh, I'm so sorry if <laughs> you guys haven't been getting the audio feed. I will fix that this week. Um, and then we'll never have a problem again. I promise, promise, promise. But next week, I know Secret Revision comes out in two days, but next week we will be having a match. Kelsey's taking on the Dark Phoenix, Stacey Morris. Uh, the first ever girl-on-girl -girl title match, Kelsey. It's pretty cool. Like, like no matter what happens, that is a pretty yeah. cool thing to happen. That We have two girls. We A, a woman will have the belt um, no matter yeah. what. And, and, and it's going to be cool because you got the hero versus the villain. Um, Stacy's been, and we know Stacy off air. Everyone who's watched draft day knows Stacy's not actually a mean person, but her persona in Marvel trivia, it's intense. It's scary. Right? It's going be cool. Yeah. And, and that's her. <laughs> and honestly, that's been her great tactic in terms of like winning these matches is she's 
very stone face, very like chill. And I think that's yeah. a good approach because her competitors get a little freaked out. They don't know how to read her. They don't know what wheel slices to give her if it's spinner's choice yeah. and stuff. Um, but but your strength is that you have you always watch these movies. You love these movies. You eat, breathe, sleep, Marvel, and you also <laughs> have hosted some of these matches. But again this this year you stopped writing questions because we were trying to make it as fair as possible so that's going to be another thing is now having taken a break from question writing yeah let's let's see how you do and i'm excited because <laughs> i think this is your toughest competitor yet i love noah i love zach I love jd but i think kelsey this is going to be your biggest test yet so i'm very excited to see yeah. how it goes and, <laughs> and win or lose you should be proud because if you lose yeah. you get to play in the league you, you get more matches and if you win you're the right holder. so there, there's no lose there's no losing you know what i mean um yeah i that's coming from me from you you might be like no there's only win no, <laughs> no uh, listen i i go into every match you know happy for happy for it to go either way because I, I, honestly i go into each match that i play rooting for the other person because i would love to you know pass on on the belt to someone else of yeah. course someone who's been as league. gracious yeah it's yeah it's our league. It's, to be it's a part of our, our league show. yeah exactly so it's, it's kind of like, like keeping it in the family anyway so it's like you know i would love to give someone else their their opportunity to get it um and so well and i feel like but, I'm but you're not of, but 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 you're following that up with a but I'm gonna study my ass off and try my best. Like I'm not you're not throwing this. Of course I'm gonna put my best foot forward uh, because I, I I am competitive and I really just you know I don't even think about it competing with the other person. I just compete for myself and I'm more upset if it's something that like I should have known and that I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but we'll see what happens and either way i feel like i'm a part of history because it is uh two women so i, I i'm just excited and, and scared as yep. little red riding hood would say in into the woods <laughs> i love that great great way to end it uh tony awards happened that was great uh any yes. marvel actors win i'm trying to think um jody comer won i wish she was a marvel actress who knows i mean who knows we're gonna, it could we're gonna happen. fantastic four reveal soon and she's could happen someday um Oh yeah, yeah, she Sean, is. Sean Hayes has not done Marvel, has he? No. Um, Jay Harrison G hasn't. Alex Newell, no. Bonnie, no. Yeah, I don't think any any Marvel actors. But hey, there's always a place to start. You know what I mean? So uh, thank you for watching, everyone. Thank you for live streaming with us. I know we had some good commenters uh, watching along. JD and 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 David, thank you um for for tuning in and and uh watching this i know it was live only because we couldn't schedule this before so we were like let's just do live on monday it's still monday so it still counts uh, i'm gonna go eat some vietnamese food and watch top chef uh kelsey's gonna get on their letterbox and log some more movies that she's watched um yeah. and we'll see y'all next time bye guys